You're listening to the Quality of Love Podcast. Your home for all things love, relationship, and mental health. Hosted by nationally certified life and relationship coach, Tyrone Dixon. Sit back, relax, and get tips on creating the life you deserve without wasting any more time. Welcome to the Quality of Love podcast. I'm your host, Tyrone Dixon, nationally certified life and relationship coach, husband, father to two beautiful princesses, and CEO and founder of Arosu Concrete Consulting. Thank you guys for taking the time out to listen in with us tonight. We really appreciate it. You guys have made it to another Wednesday episode. That means we have some questions to answer, some quotes to deliver, and of course, you know our show today is sponsored once again by our good friends over at Humble Fit, Saran Miller and the crew. We appreciate you, Saran, for delivering us that gear. If you have not done so yet, hit Saran and the team up for any customized gear you may need, workout gear. He's even stepping over and shifting over a little bit into some casual gear. So hit Saran Miller up and Humble Fit. They are the sponsors of our show this evening. And their company slogan is Rise, Win, Repeat. Today's quote of the day comes from Adam Osborne, and it goes, the most valuable thing you can make is a mistake. You can't learn anything from being perfect. Once again, the most valuable thing you can make is a mistake. You can't learn anything from being perfect. And that quote is from Adam Osborne. I heard that quote a couple years back, and it just it just kind of was one of those quotes that gave me confirmation to continue to push forward, regardless of how many mistakes I had made. And at that time, I have felt, and going back to what I said in the mindfulness episode, I have felt extremely self-critical of myself. And any mistake that I made, I kind of was really, really hard on myself. But I heard this quote randomly, and I jotted it down, and it made me feel like, okay, you know what? Mistakes happen. You can recover from mistakes. Just if you are fortunate enough to wake up tomorrow, try to do better. The first question of the day received via inbox. How do you not take work stress home? How do you not take work stress home? I think for me, this was a very, very difficult thing for me to do very early on in my career before I realized you can only control what you can control especially at work. There's so many hierarchies at work. There's so many different power dynamics to play at work. It just dynamic simply, right? When you have a bunch of people with diverse backgrounds and diverse personalities in one location, it just creates stress and it creates kind of a, a melting pot for a lot of emotions. So you need to figure out what you can control at work and the things you cannot control at work Do your best not to get involved with them or get engaged with them. That way, that'll lighten your stress. Also, I would invite you to create communities at work that are healthy, right? That that are socially supportive of you and people that understand the nature of your work and can relate to you not on the level of a colleague, but as a social support as well. Another thing that I would add to that is is finding some way to unplug somehow, right? So as soon as you go get home, if you are into working out, I would invite you to go to the gym. Or one of the things that I find to be extremely soothing is as soon as you come home from work, especially if it's been a long day, bring yourself a warm bath, put some uh, either a bath bomb or some Epsom salt in there, and just kind of let yourself get the stress out of you and relax there in the water. 
There's also actually one one thing that I've been recommended to do lately is go to a hydro hydro excuse me massage tank. Uh, I don't have any experience with them, but I heard they're really, really calming and soothing for the body or a salt tank, salt room, excuse me. So those are some things that I would recommend to do to not bring the, the stress from work to your home, because once the stress get in, gets into your home environment, then it can be very, very toxic for everyone that lives there. Question number two, how can the power of positivity help you in difficult moments? Once again, that question is, how can the power of positivity help you in difficult moments? I think if you look at things, and I've, I've said this in previous episodes, but if you look at things in terms of the glass being half full as opposed to half empty, what that allows you to do is it allows you to see the lessons within any situation, right? Because in life, everyone's going to go through difficult situations. Everyone's going to go through tough times. It's up to us to figure out what the lesson in that time is so that those lessons don't become patterns and ultimately keep repeating themselves over time. The difficult part can be remaining positive in the increasingly negative world that we live in. So I would say find your peace of mind outside of what's going on in society and make sure you hold on to that, right? Whether that's your family, whether that's a career, find something that makes you happy and continue to hold on to that and continue to pursue the things that make you happy and that meet your needs. Question number three, can someone be racist in a subtle way? Once again, that question is, can someone be racist in a subtle way? I think sometimes when it comes to racism, uh, we have to look at our biases, right? Where were we born? Um, What was our worldview coming up? Because every single person in this world has biases just simply based off the way they were raised, their living environment, right? So when it comes to racism, you have to understand that it it can come across in the form of a bias or a few other ways, right? We, we've talked about that a little bit in the past. I won't get into that in great detail, but the, to answer your question specifically, yes, someone can cut up, come off uh, racist in a subtle way, but I would invite you to look at that person's biases and their views overall to really assess them and, and really assess kind of where they are in terms of their degree of racism. Also, I found that although it may be uncomfortable, confronting people head on that that may come across racism, even it, racist, excuse me, even, even if it's in a subtle manner, that tends to bring awareness to the fact that there are some biases that people may not be aware of. And that creates an opportunity to educate someone. And you guys know I've said this before on the podcast, I'm all about education. So if you can get an opportunity to educate someone, why not? Question number four. How do you cope with the fear of public embarrassment? Once again, that question is, how do you cope with the fear of public embarrassment? For me, this was actually one of my biggest fears prior to becoming a public speaker and prior to becoming a life coach. One of my biggest fears was was being embarrassed in public. How would that look? How would people react to me? Would people shame me? Until I realized a fact that most people's biggest fear is being shamed in public or being embarrassed in public, right? So for me, that was, I was like, okay, if I understand that most people are embarrassed or this causes someone some sort of shame, let me be proactive in figuring out ways to 
avoid me experiencing embarrassment and then experiencing uh, a level of high anxiety when doing public things or public speaking events. And it's it's also the thing is that when you when you live in the state of fear, you're really just trapped inside of your own mind. Right. Um, embarrassment happens to everyone. Right. Whether it's on a public scale or a private scale, embarrassment's going to happen. That's a part of life. And you got to be able to laugh at it. Right. One one of the things that I'm extremely fortunate to have experienced at an early age is uncles that didn't take themselves too serious. That's something that I'm very, very appreciative of because they always taught me to laugh through crazy situations, right? So if I get embarrassed or, or something happened that's just off the wall to me, I tend to laugh at it and, and I don't look at it as, as too serious because they've always taught me not to take life too serious, right? So I share that same sentiment with you. Don't take life too serious. Don't fear being embarrassed in public because at the end of the day, we all get embarrassed. We all have been embarrassed by something in the past. Question number five. Do you have to be mentally ill to see a therapist? Once again, that question is, do you have to be mentally ill to see a therapist? I would say no on that. Uh, I would. I'm always actually one of the people that would recommend seeing a mental health professional um, in general. Right. Even if you think that you may not need a mental health professional or a therapist, go visit one. Check it out. See what type of relationship you can establish with that person, because ultimately I've had the experience where I've had a mental health professional, um, not necessarily a therapist, but a mental health professional give me some perspective that allowed me to change my worldview. So I'm always for that. Even if you don't feel like you have a mental illness, I highly recommend that you go at least visit a mental health professional. And most companies, if you're currently working, have what some or something that's called an employee assistance program or an EAP. And what that'll allow you to do is off the company's insurance. So in most cases, at least a few sessions are completely free. They'll allow you to go visit a therapist and kind of get at least a few sessions under your belt. So I highly recommend and invite you to do that, whether you feel like you have a mental illness or not. It's something that can definitely at least give you a different perspective and a different view on what's going on in your life. Our bonus, what would Tyrone do question is my girlfriend doesn't want to discuss money. She thinks it's a taboo topic. I really like her, but I don't want to be with someone who is financially unstable. What would you do? Once again, the what would Tyrone do question of the day my girlfriend doesn't want to discuss money. She thinks it's tab a taboo topic. I really like her, but I don't want to be with someone who is financially unstable. What would you do? Frankly, I would have a conversation with her one last time if she doesn't want to talk about it, about money. And if she feels like money isn't important or isn't something that she would want to discuss or talk about, then that wouldn't be the girl for me. Personally, um, I've done research I'm in the field, obviously, of course, but I've done research and one of the main factors and detractors in last long, lasting relationships not being successful is money. I wouldn't want to run into that issue. Money at some point in time will have to be discussed if you want to create a family, create a marriage and create a legacy ultimately. So if it were me, I would give her the benefit of the doubt have one last conversation with her about money. If the conversation does not go well or if she's resistant to the conversation, then I have to leave um, regardless of how 
painful it may be to me, that's not a situation that I can find myself in and being successful in in the long run. All right. So that's all I have for you guys today. Remember, you guys are more than welcome to hit us up at TQLP20 at gmail.com. Once again, that email address is TQLP20 at gmail.com. Or you guys are more than welcome to hit us up on our Facebook page, The Quality of Love Podcast. With any questions that you guys have for our Wednesday episode, remember, we'll always answer those questions anonymously. And as always, guys, remember, the quality of love and relationships that you have in your life will determine the quality of your life. Peace and love. Thank you.